Every day across this country and the globe, life-changing ABA services are provided by dedicated professionals known as behavior technicians. This is the Day in the Life series presented by the BT Focus podcast, where we celebrate those stories and professional journeys which enable individuals and families to reach their fullest potential. Here we pick up on our conversation with Emily and explore how initial experiences within the field can be so formative, especially when you've entered from another profession. We also discuss the paradoxical nature of asking questions and in how being open and transparent can make you thrive in the field. With that, enjoy part two. Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. All right, so I wanted to actually do a little bit of a, a pivot here because you and I, when we were talking before, we talked about what we were doing prior to entering the field of ABA and what some of our initial learnings were, initial impressions, right? So you talked about that work you did extensively as a nanny. And while it was very much in a caring role, working with children, like what were some of those biggest initial takeaways of, wow, I'm looking at this completely differently? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There is so much. Um, things like the vocab was such a huge thing for me, knowing what reinforcement means. And as I've started training new BTs in, I've kind of thought of it as reinforcement reward. And that's kind of been the good way to shake it up. But the vocab and the like, Honestly, the biggest thing was the tough days. I mean, some days I left feeling just like gray and I wasn't expecting that. There isn't any like warning sign on the door when you walk in. Um, another thing is the small changes you have to make in your body language, your vocabulary, man's demands asking them to do something. Those things I was doing all the time without even recognizing they were demands. And so when pairing with a child, I would place a demand and think nothing of it. And they would look at me and, and be like, well, I don't even know you. <laughs> and, but yeah. with a neurotypical child, you don't really have to pay attention to those things as much. And so those demands, as well as phrasing things like questions, that was a big thing I had to get used to doing. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, do you want to go to the bathroom? If it's not an option, I can't ask the question. <laughs> um Yes. And so um, just changing the way that I used my vocabulary more intentionally and the way that I played. One big thing when I was a nanny, we would just play and it would be like, oh, there's a green shape. I tried to make it functional, but in ABA, I have learned so much on how to make play functional. And I feel like it's great for people who aren't even in ABA with their children, with anybody. Um, there are so many ways you can piece functional education into just playing. And it is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're like perfectly describing natural environment training, we could say. And you're right. It's a skill set to really go into this play context and 
becomes like a superpower, Emily. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And and you're so right. It's very subtle in the the way that we use our language to shape behavior. And you say things like not placing demands within a play context during pairing, but demands even in the smallest form of, hey, what color truck is it? Right? That's still, you could say, a, a, a demand. So really, to me, working as a behavior technician has just made me more observant and reflective and aware of how you know my behavior can impact others. I see it as a dad all the time now. And it goes back to the idea of self-care. Like if I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not my best self and I'm, you know, maybe not in my best mood, my little people, they pick up on it and it impacts them. So really kind of all ties together. And you and I, we had another conversation in terms of things we learned. We entered the field about another challenge. You're talking about extinction. Remember that conversation? Yeah. What was your initial experience? Well, one, let's define the term extinction and then let's talk about what that is experientially. So extinction is, it's not what happened. We're not referring to what happened to T-Rexes a long, long time ago. <laughs> different podcast, different <laughs> conversation. Extinction is simply withholding reinforcement for a behavior that was previously reinforced. Um, and so, for example, if the behavior of crying resulted in the delivery of an iPad. And as a result of the delivering that iPad, the crying behavior was strengthened. We saw it more in the future. We could say that we just reinforce that behavior. Extinction is no longer providing that iPad as a result of that crying behavior. So things about extinction is it can often get more intense before it gets better. So if this child has this learned history of every time I cried and the iPad is no longer coming, the crying is going to get more intense <laughs> most of the time, right? It's gonna We're going to see it's called an extinction burst. Yeah. Over, over time, we're going to see if it's, it's done consistently, it'll decrease. And a big piece to that as well is that we're never going to be putting in an extinction procedure in isolation, right? There's always going to be a replacement skill that we can teach that is more appropriate less effortful, safer, more dignified, and more appropriate for that child to learn, such as iPad, please, right? Teaching them communication. Yeah. All of that preamble said, <laughs> we talked about like, what does it feel like doing an extinction procedure where you're simply, in some cases, if it's a safe behavior, you're waiting it out, right? In a lot of cases, right? Like, Emily, like, what's, what is that experience like? Yeah. So extinction, I'm thinking back to two months ago as a person who knew nothing in ABA. The way that I thought of extinction is I know that if I want something, I can cry. I get it. And so we want to get rid of that crying and put a more positive and functional behavior in there or vocal, and we call it man training. And so with man training, we can teach um, you ask for something in a appropriate way, then you can get that. And we can also serve you better when we understand what you need. And so thinking back, I, going through this, I just keep thinking back to my two-month self because I, going into it, knew nothing. And now I feel like I use terms without explaining as I'm training new people in and they're like wait what were the 10 things you just said and we forget um <laughs> so extinction was very hard for me at first I didn't know anything about it and being a nanny I felt like I was a very kind nanny I that was paying much attention to their needs and things like that and so 
when I had a child in front of me crying and I had to ignore, that was very hard because my first reaction is to go, oh my gosh, what can I help you with? Let me listen. Um, And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm neglecting this child. But as I kept going, I realized, wow, now a month later, this child can tell me what they need and everything goes smoothly for both of us. And this child feels heard and listened to and their needs get met. And like that little period where it was hard for both of us was so worth it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It hit the nail on the head. Extinction. And I'm going to use some air quotes here because you might see written planned ignoring. Are we ever... Emily, are we ever ignoring the person? No, absolutely not. Are we ever, you know, ignoring the behavior? We're extremely mindful of the behavior, right? But it's really going back to our principles of behavior where it's about, we're talking about the future frequency. The easiest way to stop this behavior is to reinforce it, to to give whatever that item or activity is, it will stop the behavior very effectively. However, what is that going to do to the future likelihood of that behavior, right? We've just strengthened it. We've just reinforced it. We solve the problem in the the short term, but we've just strengthened it in the long term. It's actually taking us farther away from our ultimate goal, not closer to it, right? So yeah, extinction, the way I describe it is like, and this is very much like a small snippet around the topic of extinction and much more could be said around it. There's going to certainly be context that extinction would not be appropriate at all. You're always going to have an alternative behavior. Consult with your BCBA. We're just talking more about the, the experience of what it is as an implementer. All that being said, yeah, I, I can remember feeling that as well. Like, you mean I, I I can't provide a lot of explanations in the moment? And it's like, well, Brian, like you're providing a lot of attention in that moment, right? And we've done an FBA. Listen to our podcast on FBAs. We can go into more detail. But this behavior might be attention maintained. So really, like you're coming from the right place. You have all of the right intent behind it, but we really want to apply these these principles so that we can see long-term change. Additionally, with that providing attention, it can be overwhelming. I mean, if we think about, I'm really upset and I have a hard time regulating my emotions, possibly I don't have the vocals to explain that I am upset or why I'm upset or what I need. And now I have someone explaining what's happening to me well, I'm crying and trying to figure out what I am feeling as a person. And so that explanation and that attention sometimes can be overwhelming as well. If we think about us as adults, imagine being so upset, something horrible just happened. And even though it might be small to us, it's big to them. And we're so upset, but we have to zip our mouth shut. We don't have the vocals. We have no way of explaining how we feel right now. And then we're upset, we're overwhelmed. There's so much stuff stimuli happening and then someone turns around and is trying to reason with me like oh it's okay just calm down I don't have the tools to regulate my emotions right now and I'm crying and I'm upset I don't have the tools to tell you what's wrong with me or what I need and you're giving me demands to calm down you know it's it's overwhelming, even if it's not, obviously, we don't say calm down. But, you know, it's in that aspect, it's a lot of things at once. And so sometimes extincting a behavior by not paying attention to it is helpful for both parties. 
Yeah. I think what you just provided is a really beautiful perspective taking and always looking at if I was on the receiving end of this, how would I like to be treated? And first and foremost, the number one concern always is safety. Like, is this child safe? Is this a behavior that we need to intervene immediately? Or is this one where we use the words simply, I'm going to put the air quotes here, that we simply need to wait, right? We need to wait, providing that time. I listened to a really great behavior analyst, his name is Timothy Vollmer, and he did a lot of research on extinction. And he said something I thought was so wise. And he was talking to a room full of BCBAs. And he said, BCBAs, I never write the words planned ignoring in my behavior plans anymore. You're going to see this in in you know literature. You, you might see this in textbooks. I don't use it anymore, right? I use the, I use the words minimize attention because one, it's going to be impossible to ignore a behavior. But two, if you use the words planned ignore, someone might take that literally. And if that's the case, somebody might not be safe, right? So minimize attention, provide the minimum amount of attention necessary in that moment, especially if the behavior is reinforced by attention. But number one, we got to keep that child safe, right? We make sure everyone's safe. And so if that means sometimes reinforcing the behavior to keep people safe, we're gonna, always going to take the route of safety. Um, yeah. So all that being said, yeah, extinction, like it's conceptually simple. You just, you're not reinforcing the behavior. But it's hard. <laughs> as a practitioner, like the amount of emotional energy that you have to s- expend to really just feel those feelings, right? You're feeling them as your clients are feeling them, but you're doing so with intent and with care <laughs> for all the yeah. right reasons. But I, I think it goes back to our, conversation earlier, Emily, of like the why. If you are a new behavior technician being taught to implement an extinction procedure, but aren't taught the why behind it, it's going to feel so foreign. It's going to affect how you implement it. You might be providing more reinforcement than you need to because it doesn't feel something that you're accustomed to. So I think we need to have those very open dialogue. Like here's the why behind it, but this is how I felt at times. And I, I'm sharing this with you so that you know that you're not doing something wrong. In right. fact, like you're doing what is in the best interest of this child as it's deemed by the treatment yeah. plan. So yeah, great perspective. It's really important as a new BT to know you can ask questions. It's not a weakness to ask questions. I went in with the perspective of if I ask too many questions, they're going to think I'm not capable Um, And then I was kind of forced to ask questions because there's so many things to know um, about ABA. And I got a lot of praise actually for doing that. They say, if you ask questions, we know you're going to be a good BT. If you don't ask questions, that's when we get nervous because there is so much to learn. So don't feel um, like less of a person if you have to ask questions. It's a great thing that we have the tools to ask, what did I just do? What just happened? What's the purpose behind what I just did? And even if you're asking a million questions a day, please keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it is so helpful. Yeah. I think that's something we talked about when we were talking earlier. It's like, we need to create a culture where asking questions is so richly reinforced. Like, yes, <laughs> yeah. we need to do it because you're exactly right. I experienced it from both perspectives early in my career. I, as a BT, I'm like, here's another question, right? And I, and I felt like, do I need to apologize? I've got so many questions. And the best BCBAs became great mentors. And the reason why I'm in the field really to begin with is, you know, they just were 
always reinforcing of those questions and had a really beautiful answer or could direct me to people that did have the answer. And now like 360 as a BCBA, you're right. Like I'm concerned if you're not asking questions, right? I am reinforced by those questions. So please ask them. We can create that cultural shift of, man, ask those questions. They're so important. You're going to get so much more out of it if you understand the why behind it. And it takes one person. So I work in a center and in home. So in the center, my senior, she is in charge of that caseload. When we call that a senior, um, she encouraged me to ask questions. And now that I'm training new staff in, I can encourage them to ask questions. And then when they're training new staff in, it just, it took one person, my amazing senior to put that in me and now it just flows and it is making everyone better BTs because of it. Mm, That's so powerful. That's huge, right? Here's the thing, Emily. It's like, you will probably never know the cumulative and long-term effect of that, right? That little piece of feedback, that encouragement to someone else. And I, I mean, I think back, I'm a BCBA now because somebody who I really admired and respect said, Brian, like, you need to apply to grad school, man. You're pretty good at this. <laughs> and really coming from somebody that I held to such high esteem, it was like, wow, if that person is saying that about me, that yeah. was like the, honestly, like the, it was just a nudge, right? It was just like a little push, but it was what really affirmed and solidified what I was already feeling and experiencing. So encourage each other. The principles of positive reinforcement apply to all of us. So pass it on, right? You never know what the long-term effect will be. So I feel like when we first go into ABA, I remember going in and feeling so small. There's so much information around me. There's so many things that I see people doing with so much ease. And I feel like a lost person right now. I don't know what any of this is. And I notice as I'm training new staff in I see that they're feeling that same way. We feel really small when we first start. And so having people that surround you with support and acceptance and remind you that you're valued even while you're learning and as you come is so important. It it makes walking through the door so much easier and it makes work so much easier and more exciting. And it's just that positive circle just comes so far in the job and it is, it's incredible. (laughs) I couldn't agree more because you're so right. When you're brand new to the field and you're taking a 40 hour training and watching training videos and you see people just like so fluently doing air corrections and (laughs) multiple exemplar training, it's like, how am I ever going to get to that? Right. Um, And it's a video model, right? That's what it's, it's, it's to show you, this is like what to do, but now it's this is kind of funny, like full circle. Now in my role, I do more training and development. And so working with new staff or showing a video and it's like, oh, guys, by the way, like this person has been in the field for 10 years. I want you to know they have been in the field for, <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> it did not look like this for them when they started. So practice, I'm going to give you feedback and that's how you learn. But if you are so paralyzed by, again, that perfectionism, we got we to gotta break that, right? Because if, if you don't start, that's the only way you can fail. So just get out there. Again, if you want to succeed in this field, you're going to. There's too many dedicated people around you to see otherwise, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Emily, I have just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I think we might have to have you back for a part two because... <laughs> 
we could just keep talking and it's it's so great and i think you offer such like a refreshing and honest perspective that i think will speak to so many and it's really resonated with me and i think it's so aligned with it's been many years ago but it feels like it was just yesterday for me to be a brand new behavior technician feeling the joys but also some of the the difficulties and challenges along the way but i think what's very clear in talking to you is just um how dedicated you are to it and just how much intention and and purpose that you practice with. And on behalf of all the families you are serving and will serve, thank you. So thank you for your time today. And I guess if you had any parting words of encouragement for any behavior technician listening to this podcast, what would that be? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, take care of yourself. First, remind yourself that you're valued even on those hard days. Remind yourself that you're worthy even on those hard days and know that nobody is perfect. I mean, every day I'm still learning things. I'm sure you every day are still learning things. There is so much to learn. And so just please never leave work feeling like less of a person because of this job. It's difficult. Um And even though you may see people around you doing things with ease, they're still learning as well. And they had to go through that process of learning things and not knowing what was happening and leaving some days feeling really upset. So just take care of yourself, take that time, set those boundaries and just love yourself and remind yourself of that worth because it's so, so important for you and while providing to clients. That is so beautifully said. And I, I think to use a bit of a metaphor, you know, the the daily work of a behavior technician is like, do you ever go into an art museum and you're like right in front of a mosaic and like up close, you're so focused, you can't see the broader picture and you can't even really make sense of things, right? And it is only through taking several steps back and reflecting on it that you can see wow, the broader, bigger picture that you're contributing to. And like I've said, you may never know the long-term impact of the work that you're doing, but I guarantee you this, you are changing someone's life and not just someone, all of the people who love that person. And it's remarkable to see the long-term effects of our our work. So I'm like, keep it up. You have such a bright and shining feature in this field. And I just have nothing but thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. So Thank you again, and would love to have you back sometime soon. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you so much for putting this out there and allowing me to be vulnerable and not like covering those things up. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for being you and all of the information you provided me with when I was first starting. It's been so amazing. Uh, thank you. I think vulnerability is a true sign of strength. And I think that in order to really make the impact that we need to in this field, we as practitioners need to be vulnerable with one another. We need to take care of ourselves, but also take care of our community. And so I'm so happy to be part of yours and for all of you listening as well. So thanks again, Emily. We'll do this real soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for listening to this Day in the Life series episode of the BT Focus podcast. BT listeners, we want to tell your story as well. If you would be interested in being featured in an upcoming episode, let us know at btfocus at Until then, we'll see you next time.